was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. Walker fires downfield. Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU. It is time as we welcome you in to this Tuesday edition of Sports Wrap, sponsored by Eggers, 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 and Eggers, attorney at law. I'm your host, David Katzenmeyer, and joining me on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon is Lucas Warren, Nick Goodman, and Cody Bear. Guys, how are we doing? I'm pretty good, you know. Uh, we watched... Just an absolute war of Madden games. You missed that, but uh, very high intensity. Uh, I don't know, Cody wouldn't like to admit it, but Bobby did come out on top on both of those games. Two of the three, he won. Oh, I'm three. in a bad okay. I'm actually in a very bad Yeah, the last game. <laughs> I was game, in a good mood like two hours ago. Madden will do that to you. Bobby, playing my Bobby and Madden will do that to you because he's very quiet when he's losing, but then he starts commentating the yeah. game as he wins. And he has the Madden gods on his side. I locked him up all the second half, and then when I iced the game, my player with a minute left, I iced it. It was over, and he fumbles it at the seven-yard line. Mm. Just can't have it. Can't have it. I was making it. I was also, uh, you know, I'm just doing a lot of work around the office. I was practicing my dunks, getting ready for the dunk contest on our mini hoop. I was uh, making some pars with our. I made a new par out there. Oh yeah, for for our putt putt. We have a new. We have a new hole. We have a new hole. Awesome. Uh, So yeah, just all important things. The things that need to get done i'm getting done yeah it's it's very important to get all that stuff figured out before we enter tournament season yeah yeah i'm doing good you know i just i've had i've had a busy day you know trying to do some stuff from like i think 9 30 a.m on um you know and i'm excited to be back on this show to talk about some app state football talk about some nfl football it's a crazy nfl weekend man i mean i even did like an a game top five and i had a hard time Picking five plays just to single out from this weekend. I mean, there were six game-winning field goals at the end of the game. Like, I don't think I've ever remembered when that's happened. And I mean, I, there's a lot to talk about. And I'm looking forward to it. Not in, yeah, not not having the greatest evening through that. My, I just found out my marketing team didn't make the top 25 in my marketing project oh, this, darn. this week because we worked very hard on that. So you know, I'm a little more out of pocket. In this episode, that's well, where it comes. Well, good from. thing we're going to be talking some Panthers at some point. <laughs> I, yeah, I, we'll Just talk. Attack. <laughs> I don't even know. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to get things started with our App State Georgia State discussion, and then preview next week as the Mountaineers will go on the road to play the Dukes of JMU, who are currently ranked 18th via the AP poll. So we'll get into that as well as our NFL section, spicing things up, twisting it around a little bit, and be excited to show you that when we get there. But before all of that, it is time for the Mountaineer Minute. The men's and women's cross-country teams competed at the NCAA South Regional in Spartanburg, South Carolina, with the men's team finishing 10th overall out of 33 teams and the women's team being represented by individuals. The men's team was led by Oliver Wilson Cook, being the first Mountaineer to cross the finish line, finishing 43rd in the men's 10K, followed shortly by Calvert Guest, who finished 50th. Senior Jasmine Donahue, Donahue finished 92nd out of 243 runners in the women's 6K, achieving a new personal best time in the process. The Wrestling Mountaineers picked up three titles on Saturday as Cody Bond, Tommy Askey, and Jacob Sartorio all won individual titles in their weight classes. Bond picked up a well-earned title in the 149 class by a 5-4 decision over the 31st-ranked Michael Gearoff from Virginia. Askey went 4-0 in his 157-pound bracket, ending his run with a 4-2 finals decision over Virginia's Dylan Sedeno. Sotario went 3-0 in the heavyweight division, winning by a score of 3-0 before an 18-2 
and 15-4 major decision against Air Force's Antonio Ramos in the final match. In total, App State had 11 top three finishers from this past weekend's Mountaineer Classic. Both the men's and women's basketball teams competed on Saturday, with the women's team remaining in Boone to play Ohio and the men hitting the road to play NIU. The women's team won a thriller, 71-64, over the Bobcats, trailed by as many as 22 points in the first half and were behind 59-40 early in the fourth quarter. The Mountaineers went on a 25-2 run after that, forcing 11 turnovers in the process to take a 65-61 lead with just over two minutes left. They moved to 2-0 on the season and hit the road to play Norfolk State on Thursday. The men's team, however, took a loss on the road in the SBC MAC Conference Challenge to Northern Illinois 78-91. Despite getting off to a fast start 8-2 before the first media timeout, thanks to quick four quick points from Donovan Gregory, the Huskies would roll to a 20-5 run, jump out to a double-digit lead, and never look back. The Mountaineers look to bounce back tonight at 10 p.m. when they take on Oregon State. Finally, volleyball capped off their regular season in Louisiana this past weekend, taking an 0-3 loss on Friday and losing a thriller 2-3 on Saturday. The Mountaineers finish the regular season at 13-14 with the Sunbelt Tournament beginning tomorrow. There's your Mountaineer Minutes, and we'll be right back for our App State football coverage when we come back right here on SportsRap. This program is sponsored by Eggers Law Firm, located on West King Street in downtown Boone. From business to traffic matters, the Eggers Law Firm has provided legal service to the high country since 1950. As fourth-generation Appalachian alumni, the Eggers Law Firm is here to assist you with legal help when you need it. The Eggers Law Firm, 737 West King Street. Hey students, Dino's Den Moving here, your one source for packing and moving out or in at ASU. Our phone number is 336-990-9480, or you can email us. Just look for Dino's Den Moving online. Help out mom and dad. Your deposit today reserves your spot in December. We also have all the U-Haul trucks, trailers, and supplies you need for moving. $50 off your move if you mention this ad, and reserve your spot by November 15th. Dino's Den Moving, 336-990-9480. Anna Bananas is a longtime supporter of WASU-FM, App State's college radio station. Anna Bananas Fine Consignment Store buys, sells, trades, and serves Boone from 641 West King Street. You can follow Anna Bananas on Instagram and Facebook. Dinsmore, head field hockey coach at Appalachian State University, and this is 90.5 WASU. Welcome back to Sports Wrap. As Emily Dinsmore just mentioned, right here on 90.5 WASU. Loving the expansion of the back ends, as not only are we just trying to get for football, but we're trying to cover all of App State athletics. And shout out to Ryan Hendricks for getting that one for us. But Dinsmore had a record setting season with the field hockey team. So always like to be able to highlight some of the other sports going on around App State as well as the major ones. But speaking of major sports, there was a major victory for App State football as they went on the road to play Georgia State and came back with a defining victory, 42-14 to over the Panthers. Saturday was a culmination of many things for Mountaineer fans and what they've been waiting to see, but the biggest has to be the first dominant road victory in two years. App seems to have hit another gear since late in the game against Southern Miss. So what's the cause? What's led to such success this past weekend against a good Georgia State team? I'd say the biggest thing is the defense. When you look at the offense, they've been pretty consistent this season for the most part. They've been one of the better scoring offenses in the Sun Belt. Passing game has been good. We've been able to rush the ball well. Uh, But our defense has not been good. We are still the last in the Sun Belt in rushing yards allowed per game. But these past two weeks, we've given up 123 rushing yards per game. That's leveled our average out at about 180. But before that, we were giving up 200 yards a game. So Going down to 123 yards a game, that's a lot better. Big improvement there. We're only giving up three and a half yards per carry or a little under that. So we've done a really good job on the ground, and that's the biggest thing. We're not giving up the chunk plays we were earlier in the year, and that's really helped our defense get stops and then let our offense build leads. And then our passing offense was just, I mean, all over uh, the 
Panthers. Dan Granger, Darren Granger, had only 15 yards at halftime throwing the ball, and he had an interception. Didn't get his. He got, ended up with like 150 yards and a touchdown. I think he had two touchdowns actually, but they were all in garbage time. They didn't matter. But yeah, I mean, I, I just think you look at the defense. The defense was awful. The defense has been good these last couple of weeks. Will it continue? That's the big question. But this offense has always been putting up points. It was just could this defense get stops, allow them to build the leads that they've had these last couple weeks? Yeah, I agree, Lucas. I feel like the defense, that's been the big difference maker this year. In particular, the mental errors, I feel like the last two weeks, they just they've cleaned them up remarkably quickly. I mean, up until I'd say even the fourth quarter of that Southern Miss game, because, of course, leading up to that, Frank Gore had a number of big plays down the field on his own and Southern Miss was making big chunk plays all over the place. Um, from that point on, they've done an excellent job at cutting that down and cutting down the one-play touchdowns and making teams have to actually drive the field and consistently like string plays together in order to score. I mean, in particular, looking at Georgia State, I mean, they're, they only had one play the whole game where that was 30 yards or longer. They had one play. They had one passing play that went 36 yards, and that was it. Um, and Georgia State, it's not like they don't have talent on their offense. I mean, Mark, Marcus Carroll is a much more talented running back than some of the players that we've let have career games against us. I mean, he's third in the FBS in rushing for a reason. It's not an accident. And we held him to 3.3 yards a carry. I mean, that's probably the biggest difference. I mean, App State's offense, I feel like they've been explosive all year, especially with Nate Noel healthy, which, as we saw last Saturday, he is. He took 160 yards for a touchdown Um, but the defense these last two weeks have played the best football that they've played all year and again it's just they're not giving up the career games they're not giving up the one play touchdowns that have killed them the whole year I'm with these guys the defense has been phenomenal the last two games we harped on defense a lot going into those two games and they have given up way too many big plays that subsided a little bit holding Marshall to nine. Impressively, what I liked was containing a lot of the team's best players. Rasheen Ali was contained. Darren Granger couldn't get anything going. So a team that we talked about a couple weeks ago, giving everybody their career nights, have contained a lot of the superstars on these other teams. So I think that's the biggest thing, is not allowing as many explosive plays and not just letting people rip them apart. I think that's huge on the defense, and it makes this team a whole lot better. Yeah, and I talked about the offense, and I said, you know, they've been consistent for the most part. But another thing we saw in this Georgia State game was just this full running back room for the first time this season. We hadn't had all of our guys healthy in a game yet, and we finally got to see what this looks like. And we were excited about it entering the year, the possibility of having all these different guys with all these different skill sets, and it showed itself uh, against Georgia State, we ran the ball 39 times for 254 yards and three touchdowns, averaged six and a half yards per carry, and no running back went over 100 yards. Noel was 10 for 86 in a touchdown. Robert was 9 for 77 in a touchdown. Haywood, 4 for 45. Really good to see Castle, Anderson Castle, got back from injury, 6 for 26 in a touchdown. And then even Aguilar added 5 for 20 on the ground. Monty Marshall, the one disappointing back, he had four carries for two yards. But, I mean, when you have five backs that are averaging, basically five yards a carry and then your quarterback's also averaging five yards a carry or four yards a carry and that's it's going to be hard to stop that when you have that staple of running backs no one's going to really get you know too many miles on them everybody's going to come in fresh and that's what it felt like Like when you brought Anderson Castle in that game it was a totally different look for that Georgia State defense they really didn't know how to handle it because Anderson Castle's a guy who just he's not going to you know have that 60 yard run that Noel had but he's going to get in between the tackles and drive his legs and pick up those extra yards so it's just a different look but it was exciting to see this offense at full force with this running back room finally healthy. I wanted to add on to that too, just looking at the stats for that game also. You mentioned how important it is to have all the running backs back. I'm just looking at the balance between both the passing and the rushing offense. App State had 509 yards of offense. They had 255 passing yards, 254 rushing yards. That's that's different. Before Aguilar threw that pick, it was, to me, the best I've seen Aguilar play. Because he was... It was so decisive. Like He was throwing the ball down the field, but it was when guys were open, and he was taking the checkdowns when it was there. But like you talked about, uh, Nick, it was the balance where when you have that running game to lean on, we talked about it early in the year. Sometimes we put the ball in Aguilar's hands too much, and it's just you know a guy, when you throw the ball enough, you're going to make mistakes. In this game, he was very under control. The one interception was not good. He got a little impatient, threw it downfield, and that's what we've seen from him. But uh, besides that, I mean, he played 
pretty much a perfect game throwing the ball at least had a couple fumbles but yeah his decision making has really impressed me over these past couple weeks and it's just that's he's getting better at choosing when to be that gunslinger when to throw downfield when to throw in tight coverage and I mean he did that like there was one throw I believe it was to Stro- yeah it was the big play to Stroman mm-hmm. what a throw yeah. I mean oh, yeah. to hit that guy in stride going 30 yards down the field on that play and then like, I mean that's the kind of throw that you know, you can complete it if it's behind him, in front of him, but the only way he's scoring a touchdown is if you hit him right in stride where he doesn't have to break momentum and he could just keep rolling, and he did that. So I've been really impressed by this offense, and, yeah, they're building on things, which is nice to see. And I'll also say with that, too, just adding on to that particular play, I mean, um, just seeing Stroman be able to catch that and then take that 77 yards yeah. for a touchdown, that is that's crazy that a guy that big is able to run that fast because he was just he just ran away from Georgia State's defense on that play. I mean, it was it was crazy to watch. Well, I was I was on the uh, I was right at about the line of scrimmage and I saw him catch that and I thought, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take off behind the bench and get down to the other side. So when they set back up for the next play, I'm in front of the action and I'm behind the bench and all of a sudden I look back at the video board and I hear everybody cheering and he's in the end zone. He's <laughs> yeah. like. Just his ability to, or Aguilar's ability to hit him in stride so perfectly and him to be able to weave through traffic like that. I mean, there were just so many moments of this game that it felt like this offense was going to be able to come up with anything they needed to when they needed to do it. Also, well, first on Stroman, he's the kind of guy, like, with his size, you are surprised he can move that way, but he's not a quick, like, if you just had him run, like, a cone drill, he wouldn't be fast, yeah. but it's that long speed. He, like, that's why you have you gotta him on You got to get those, him up to top speed. Yeah, yeah. He, that's why you put him on all those deep routes, because he's 6'4", and once he gets going, those long legs get moving, and it's hard to, his strides are just so long, and that's what you kind of saw in that play. Um, but another thing is the emergence of Makai Jackson recently, because you see those guys come on the field together, like, that's kind of the second unit of our uh, wide receiver. Core, it's you know Robinson, Horn, and then Davis, and then in that second unit, it's Tucker, Stroman, and Jackson. And Jackson always been the guy that kind of you know early in the year didn't seem like he was still finding his footing, but he's really good. Like just he's able to take a lot of short round or short passes and get yards after the catch. He's very slippery. He's good at a good route runner, good at getting open. And he's had I think two touchdowns the last two weeks, and he had a bunch of big plays in that Georgia State game. So we talk about the running game, but. Our wide receiver room, I mean, how good is I mean, you have Caden Robinson, Christian Horn, and Deshaun Davis starting. Then you have Makai Jackson, Dalton Stroman, and Juan Tucker off the bench. That's six legit guys. That, at a group of five school, that's pretty remarkable. I, I've said it for since the beginning of this year. I even said it last year when we really start to see the saw the emergence of some of these guys. This is one of, if not the best, wide receiver room in the group of five. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think now that we're we're really getting into the depths of the season, this offense is starting to click better. Aguilar starting to make better decisions. He's starting to learn the system a lot better. We're now seeing the emergence and the talent of the wide receivers with what Aguilar can do. I love that y'all meant y'all, y'all talked about the defense pretty heavily as well as the offense. I want to talk about the off field behind the scenes real quick because. There was a different energy this week with this with this team after the win against Marshall. You felt it at practice, and usually, at least with the few road games that I've been on, the guys are normally a little more timid, normally a little bit more reserved, staying focused. It wasn't a party, but they were ready to go. Like it was, it was an energy and an atmosphere that from leaving the hotel room onto the buses, into the locker rooms, into pregame, that it was just like these guys are bad. Like these guys are these guys are upset. These guys want to win. They are hungry. And it showed on the field, the camaraderie on the sideline. Doesn't matter who was coming off, everybody was getting high fives. Everybody was getting talked up. And when App State let up the second touchdown in garbage time, I've never heard the bench so quiet. One guy was speaking. And that was Andrew Parker. And Andrew Parker was firing up the guys saying, Hey, it doesn't matter how, how much we're up by, it doesn't matter how, how far down we are. We stay in this game. And we play like like the games on the line, and it resonated. It was a party in the locker room afterwards, and the, there's just it really does feel like getting that win against Marshall last week just flipped a switch for this team. I think it's interesting, like just looking at college football. And this is in the NFL too, but it's like how momentum works. And it's like last year you look at this team, and I think this team is similar talent wise to what we were last year. And you know we won six games last year. It was just because of the FCS teams we beat that we didn't get bowl eligibility, but. 
it's interesting because the losing streak last year came at the end of the year, and it just leaves a really bad taste in your mouth when you're losing a bunch of games at the end of the season. But this year, we had that same losing streak, but it happened early to the middle of the year, and now you're starting to win games towards the end. And I just think it's funny how like you talk about how good the vibes are. It's like, even though you had that rough stretch, once you start winning and you get that taste of winning again, and now you're bowl eligible, so you feel like you've accomplished something, it's like, I'm sure this team just feels like complete 180 that they were feeling like three, four weeks ago after the old ODU game. Like, the momentum completely shifted, it feels like. I was just going to add something to that. I've heard people talk about this before, um, before App even went on this run, but I heard them say it was similar to this year, last year, and it just never, the switch never flipped last year. Um, 2017. Um, if you haven't looked at this year, it was another kind of similar year to the way this year's gone. I mean, obviously Georgia was really good that year, but they didn't put App didn't put up a fight at all when they went to Georgia earlier. They had a struggle win at a bad Texas State team where they had to stop Texas State at the one yard line. It's kind of similar to the North Carolina game this year. They had a loss to Wake Forest at home where they had two chances to win the game at the end of regulation. They missed a field goal. Wake got called for offsides. Then they got the next kick blocked. Um, but then they struggled a little bit more with a couple other teams they beat. Like in New Mexico State, they struggled a bit. Idaho, they only beat 23-20. to 20. Coastal Carolina, they weren't the same Coastal Carolina then that they are now. They only beat them, I believe, it, it says 37-29. to 29. And then on top of that, they took a couple of losses to UMass and Louisiana Monroe. And next thing you know, you're looking at them, they're 5-4. and four. You're kind of like, what's going on with the team? Like, because like, Louisiana Monroe, again, back then wasn't very good, and they were struggling up and down. And then at the end of the year, they just flipped a switch. They beat Georgia Southern 27-6. to They beat Georgia State 31-10. to They beat Louisiana 63-14, to and then they beat Toledo 34 to nothing in a bowl game. This year, the way that they flipped the switch does, reminds me of that. Reminds me of just seeing that t- team before struggle a bit, and just struggle for a while and then just turn right around and be very good. And that was right before 2018 and 2019 where App State won the back-to-back Sun Belt Championships. So we could see something special next year if we keep this going. I love that comparison because it feels like it's so easy to jump on on coaching. It's so easy to jump on these factors that are there every single game. But now that we have, we're starting to see the season play out, we're seeing now what this coaching staff can do with a quarterback who's improving, a defense who is quicker on the edges now that they've made adjustments. We're seeing how this App State team can really unfold and how we're able to use a lot of these very talented players to the best of their abilities. I think the biggest thing for me that I took away from both the Marshall and Georgia State games was that this defensive line and their ability to get into the backfield has been second to none. They only had one sack against Georgia State, but it felt like they had 20 pressures because Granger was rolling left, rolling right, having to make throws. He's having to make jump throws because he had no time to do anything. He'd immediately be rolled out of the pocket. That's what's been so impressive about this defense for me. Before we move on, I just want to say, like, folks on the defense, I want to give credit to our safeties, like Favor and uh, Nick Ross. I just... When you look in the secondary, Nick Ross got called for a couple PIs, but they're so physical in like secondary, and like even on that interception that Trent Yaw had, it was set up by Jordan Favors breaking up the pass, and then Yaw got the tip ball. But it, I think that's like the big thing is I, sometimes our, our cornerbacks have been attacked at times this year, and I do feel like maybe the middle of the field is our weaker spot of this defense. But we're getting pressure, and then we are making the catches contested. It's not easy catches. I feel like that's a big thing. Like. And it's actually it makes a lot of sense because like when talking to Scott Sloan during media availability earlier this year, I asked him what is the biggest strength of this defense and what's the biggest weakness you feel like, and he said strength. I believe he said something about the front four, but his biggest weakness he said was just experience. He said this team hasn't been together, and I'm a new coach, and I'm trying to teach them our entire system. And he says I think you know they'll get better as the season goes on, but there's going to be some learning curves, and we saw the learning curves. This defense was not good for large stretches of the season, but as long as they can keep this up, especially against the competition we're going to face later in this season, I think it shows that this defense is moving in the right direction. And it really does feel like bringing that extra defensive back onto the field has made a difference, doesn't it? Yeah. No, I mean, it's, I mean, I just think overall, it's not, we're never going to lock someone down, but it's just like, yeah. with that with the Panthers, uh, we made it so hard for Granger because he always had pressure in his face and then there was no easy throw. Like, we can, I still think there's 
an offense like I think James Madison, much better passing offense, will be able to test our secondary a little bit more, maybe catch us, you know, being a little aggressive, get us get behind the defense and get a big play. But if you can't do that, and especially in a game like against Georgia State where they weren't really like momentum was on our side, they're trying to recover all Granger sees his pressure and guys all over his wide receivers. That's how you get interceptions. That's how you make a quarterback uncomfortable. That's why he only threw for 15 yards in the first half. Going into that Marshall game, the testament that I think we were all harping on was this defense just needs to be bend, don't break. If this this defense allows points, make make them earned. Make make a team go down the field and have to roll through three or four third downs. Make them have to grind out any kind of points that they get. And I want to look at it was I, I can't remember if it was the first or second drive from Georgia State. It was it was like a six or seven minute drive that ended in the fumble that we recovered. And that was just the drive that I was sitting there thinking on the sideline of like, okay, they've been through two or three third downs. This defense has been Ben Don't Break right now. If they end up getting points out of this, if they kick a field goal, if they score a touchdown from the two, I'm not going to be upset. And then we had the fumble that ended up not being a fumble. Georgia State then was able to get the ball right back and then gave it straight back to us. Defense didn't break. Mm-hmm. And that was just what was so impressive. And I feel like that drive really set the tone for this defense because there wasn't one one starter who wasn't completely buzzing on that sideline. No, I mean, I just think, yeah, in general, like, you know, we gave up 14 points. It was in the fourth quarter when we were up whatever 35 yeah, time. i think so i mean it's just yeah. yeah it's a totally different i mean totally different defense than we saw even three weeks ago and that's why like it is a real thing like you see how this defense was playing against southern miss i think if we played southern miss right now they wouldn't score as many points as they did just because i think at a confidence level we our defense is playing much more confident and uh, it's how you want to play going into this jmu week if um, yeah, exactly mm-hmm. you don't you don't want to go off of you know struggling against louisiana monroe going into yeah. that week or anything like that this is this is basically the way app needs to play heading into that game and this is the time that App State needs to be clicking on cylinders because they're playing their best football of the year. And they're ready to head to Harrisonburg, Virginia to play the number 18 ranked undefeated Dukes of James Madison with college game day in attendance. Not only this will be a chance to spoil the Dukes undefeated season, but it brings the Mountaineers one step closer to a possible conference championship berth. How do they quell the national spotlight and walk out of Harrisonburg with a W? Yeah, I mean, if I'm just going to say one thing on both ends, I'd say on defense, defensive end, JMU isn't the best rushing rushing offense. They're the 10th-ranked rushing offense in the Sun Belt. They're the second-ranked passing offense in the Sun Belt. I don't think we'll be able to like limit their passing game as much as we did against Georgia State. I think they will move the ball through the air. The big thing is, will they move the ball on the ground? If it's a two-headed attack where they are able to pick up chunks both on the ground and through the air, I'm kind of looking at that UNC game. Like, I, Even if... I would be fine giving up close to 300 yards if we also hold them to under 150 yards rushing. But if we give up 200 yards rushing and 200 yard plus passing, like, I think that's a recipe for disaster like we did in that UNC game. Like This is a good offense, but if you can at least like neutralize the running game, which they haven't been great at this year, I think that'll just force them. A, it'll make their possessions a lot shorter so we can get our good offense onto the field. And then I just think also it's easier to deal with one aspect of the game. And then offensively, I would say you have to just put the ball in Joey's hands and say, Joey, it's tough. It's going to be an uphill battle, but you need to be our guy. You need to make plays because they're the best rushing defense in the country. That's just statistically they are the best. We are a good rushing offense, but I don't think we'll be able to really effectively run the ball against them. And they have the best, one of the best pass rushes in the country. So Aguilar is going to be under pressure. He's going to have to make throws on probably third downs with you know an obvious passing situation, defense with their ears pinned back. And we're just going to have to ask Joey to make accurate, good throws and make plays because this isn't a great passing defense. It's a 12th-ranked passing defense in the Sun Belt. So really, this defense is propped up on on stopping the run and then getting pressure before you can attack that weaker secondary. If we can protect Joey, which we've done a good job of, and if Joey can make some plays, I think we'll be able to move the ball and score points on this JMU uh, defense and give us a chance to win this game. Yeah, to start out, uh, App needs to continue, to continue to play clean football. That's the first and foremost like what they have to do. James Madison is the best team in the Sun Belt. They don't need any help from us. They don't need App State to turn the ball over. They don't need to give them short fields. The defense needs to play the way they've been playing the last few weeks. They can't 
go back to where they played earlier in the year where they were giving up big chunk plays because of mental errors. Because James Madison, they have players that can take advantage of that. Lucas kind of alluded to their passing attack. Jordan McLeod, I mean, second most passing yards in the Sun Belt just behind Southern's quarterback Van Trees. So he's gotten the ball down the field. Reggie Brown's averaging 20 yards a catch, their best receiver. He's already got a 900 yards, eight touchdowns. He's already got an 80-yard catch on the year. They've got other players like Elijah Surratt and then tight end Zach Horton that have gotten down the field. App needs to maintain their focus that they've had on defense these past few weeks in this matchup if they want a chance to win. Uh, Beyond that, I feel like App's offensive line needs to come to play. Uh, As Lucas alluded to, James Madison has the best rushing defense in all of FBS football. Um, But I still feel like App still needs to try to get at least – to a point where James Madison has to keep themselves honest, where they can't just pin their ears back and just go right after Joey Aguilar in this game. Um, obviously, Nate Noel being back healthy is going to help a lot with that. Um, he's a game-changing player, um, and we, it really helps to have him. Kanye Roberts has started to really come in his own, too. And now having that... Um, I know there's more than just him. Obviously, we mentioned Castle and... Uh, um, Marshall and Haywood and all that, but having that one-two combination where they're both playing at a top level, I feel like that's going to help a lot. Obviously, it's going to be hard, but I still feel like App needs to just keep them honest a bit because uh, their pass rush also is great. I mean, they lead the FBS also in total sacks yeah. with 43 on the year, which also might help their rushing statistics total in total because sacks ca- count against rushing yards too. But they've got... Two really good pass rushers. They've got the best uh, pass rusher in terms of getting sacks in the whole FBS also with Jalen Green. He's already got 15 and a half sacks on the year, which is already a sack and a half more than anybody else in the entire country. Um, on top of that, they've also got Jimri Korma, who also has nine sacks, which is, I believe, top ten. I think he's tied for ninth in all of the FBS and sacks. Um, and that that's going to be a problem. Um, obviously... You know, app they do have done a good job protecting, you know, Joey Aguilar when he goes back to pass. But these might be the two best pass rushers or the best pass rushing duo that Apple faced the entire year. Um, so I feel like they just need to find a way to at least run the ball enough to keep James Madison on honest and just hold their own in the passing game, so Joey will have enough time to make plays down the field. Because James Madison, if you can negate their pass rush enough, there there's plays to be made, especially with our receiving core. The App State defense has to continue to be better than what it was a couple weeks before uh, playing Marshall, and probably even better than that, James Madison, of course. We know their offense. They run with a few running backs. They're going to try to tire them out a little bit, and then Jordan McLeod in this passing game is really, really good. I think it's going to come back to limiting the big plays on defense. If you're App State, you can't just let them pick you apart through the air. On offense, it's going to be really tough to run on James Madison. We know that, Lucas. You said it. Uh, I think you guys both did. They have the best rushing defense in college football. Mm -hmm. Uh, It helps that we have the best running back in the Sun Belt when fully healthy. Hopefully Nate Noel's all the way good to go. And as Lucas said earlier, you have a full running back room. That's huge. But in respect to the James Madison rush defense, it's going to take a lot in the passing game on Saturday. We'll probably see a lot of third and mediums, third and longs, and this team knows that I know we've kind of joked and become notorious about running it on third and nine, but this team knows you won't beat James Madison that way. So when they're stuck in those third and eights, third and nines, the passing game's going to have to show up. I love what I've seen from the passing game lately. Makai Jackson coming in and having back-to-back touchdown games makes you feel a lot more confident in that going into this game. Overall, Styles make make fights, and I like the way App State matches up with this Dukes team. James Madison prefers to win their games in the air. And App State, other than giving up big plays that we've seen this season, especially recently, they've been really good at containing the passing game, and way better at that than the rushing game. App State's passing game, on the other hand, has been on fire lately, and it's going to have to be in this game. But I like the way, stylistically, App State matches up with James Madison. I do worry about that pass rush. That's going to be a lot for a guy like Joey Aguilar, who you've kind of thrown in this season. It's going to be a lot for him. But if he can step up, I think there's a good shot. College game day, we know, is going to Harrisonburg. The Jonas Brothers are going to be performing. James Madison is going to have way more attention on them than they ever have. They'll be excited. I think early they're probably going to try to take some shots. They're going to try to keep that excitement and that atmosphere in the stadium. And App State's just going to have to be ready for that. And if they can stop the big plays like we've seen 
And like you said, David, make them earn it. I think App's got a good shot. You know, it's funny. I wasn't going to go to this game. I'm probably not going to go to this game. But I just remembered. I, I knew the Jonas Brothers were going, but it just clicked yeah. to me like I'd be the same place as Joe. Yeah, and I know. I could finally we could, tell we could get him. The all, yeah, I get the. Well, I wouldn't want to interview him. I'd just tell him to his yeah, face fair. that he's the worst of the brothers. Yeah. And that's <laughs> true. I wouldn't even interview him if he was down to interview. Uh, I'd Ask interview Nick interview though. And then I'd, or I'd go up to him and say, "Hey, uh, Joe." Can you talk to Nick for me and try to get him on the radio? Yes. I really want to do an interview with Nick. Yes. I think that's. I think that would go over. I can. I can yeah. pass on the message if you'd like me to. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, we need very specifically but, find Joe and ask Joe if Nick is down to do an interview. Yeah, but do not talk to Nick because he he's too cool. He won't talk to us. I, I got you. I got um, you. And yeah, don't don't get, promise Joe anything. Like I don't want him yeah. on air. And he's not. Don't tell him he can come. Just tell him. Ask Nick if he'll come on the show. Okay, so he's just the middleman for this. Yeah. Yeah. Say if he wants to like if he, if he needs an internship, Joe. Like we can probably fit him in. Maybe. But what if what if yeah. what if Nick will only come if Joe's on the show? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think it's worth that. it. You're yeah. kind of staining the legacy. You know, you could there. you could just you could just pot as that's like Giannis bringing Thanasis yeah. around with him. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. I get it's a package deal, but I don't know if I want Thanasis on my 15 man roster. It's gonna get clowned. Yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I can also say something about the football, uh, I do. I was gonna bring that up. So yeah, with the running game, it's a very interesting concept because you know you have the JMU defense and I've watched JMU a good bit and they do try to completely eliminate the run game from the offense's playbook they try to take that away and we like you said Cody and I was gonna bring this up like we have our running room healthy as ever so you could say like oh we'll try a bunch of these guys see which one works against them like maybe a castle or Haywood or Marshall is a more of like you know downhill you know get in between tackles runner or is it a noel or roberts who can bust out plays and make big plays with their feet and you know make some defenders miss i really what i want what i don't want and what i'm scared of is that we fall into a situation where even if the run isn't working we have our offense be run run pass and we set joey aguilar up for disaster because he's Mm -hmm. facing third and long every single time i think it's kind of like this is comes from a Giants fan. I watch the Giants right now. The Giants with Tommy DeVito are just throwing Absolute any legend. They're not trying to like set up. You stay ahead of the sticks. They just know it's like okay, our offense is so bad. We're just gonna make Tommy DeVito. We're gonna let him give him three tries to get the first down. We're just gonna throw beyond the <laughs> sticks every single down. And if we don't get it, whatever, because we weren't gonna get it by running the ball. I think there's a there might be a point in this game where we have to just say, hey Joey, our only way of attacking this defense is through the air. We're just going to put it in your hands and go for it. Because I, I, I think there might be a point where that's what we'll have to do against this JMU defense. The ideal way that I see our run game playing out is that they're able to get our passing game in manageable situations. That's <laughs> That would be nice. That's, 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 well, that's, that's my ideal. Yeah. That's, that's my ideal scenario is if this, if this running game, if we do go run, run, pass, we're sitting in a third and four, third and five, yeah. not a third and nine, third and eight. But that's my fear. I just... That's where I'm – because just seeing JMU this year, that's what they want. They want you to go run, run, pass, and they want you to put yourself in an obvious passing situation where, like, you know, if you attack them on first down, maybe their their formation is more run-heavy. Maybe they have too many guys in the box and you could take advantage. I mean, it's going to be whatever works. Like, we'll, we'll come out of the gates and try to run the ball, but – you know, it, we'll see when Saturday comes. I mean, can't you see like a situation though in that ga- in the game where if App's having success throwing it on first down and they do that often, that maybe they'll lighten up the box a little bit and then we can try to push yeah. to run the ball more. No, I mean it's sure it's definitely whatever. Like if we start killing them through the air, we can definitely start mixing in some runs, and I think that's where the balance will come. But I could, I just fear that initially if we start. Just, you know, like, we are App State. We're going to run the ball. We're going to go out here and try to, you know, punch this JMU team in the mouth. And then they hit us back and say, you know, you're actually not running against us. And we put Joey in some tough situations. But I'd like to see us try to run the ball when we can because you'd rather be balanced than just put the game in Joey's hands. But I guess I'm just kind of preparing for the break glass in case of emergency. Joey, just please get us a win. <laughs> <laughs> you can't You can't say, like, even if it's just not working, we're going to continue to try to beat them with the run because that's just what yeah. we do. Like, At a point, you're willing to working. throw it out. Yeah, yeah. just... Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this is... This is it. <laughs> this is everything. I mean, it, it is. We've secured bowl eligibility, which is huge, especially considering it was our first year in quite some time. We didn't make one last year. So I think it's the first time ever at the FBS level. At the FBS level, yeah. yeah. 
that we were six and six, but because of two FCS opponents, we had to forfeit bowl eligibility because there weren't enough six and six teams in the country. But it's funny how something like that, like you know, like you you have an App State team three years ago, they're like, oh, of course we're bowl eligible, but you take it away from one week, one year, and then suddenly it's like I could even you're say, just so excited. Yeah, about I was gonna say it. even two years ago you could say that because two years ago App State won ten games, yeah, and then you've, it's kind of weird to have just one year not being back. It's like oh shoot, we're so excited we could actually get back. Yeah, into we're a bowl going. Game. I, can, I, can, yeah. I cannot wait to go to Myrtle Beach. Yeah. <laughs> But it is, it's definitely going to be a testy matchup. I wanted to look at one game that JMU played earlier this year against Marshall, where they won 20-9, to in which Marshall pretty much controlled the entire first half because they controlled possession. They basically wore JMU into the ground and got them so beyond frustrated because they couldn't execute at the level they wanted to. They couldn't execute at the pace that they wanted to. Marshall was just being very ticky-tacky, where... They would have three or four third downs every single drive, and most of them would be five minutes long and ended punts. But it was just the frustration that you saw at a JMU. Wouldn't mind if we see App State do, try and do something like that, or if we're able to execute something like that where we're able to wear them down. Kind of like what we did to Texas A&M last year, mm-hmm. where we wear them down and strike when the opportunity arises. But I think it's going to be a higher-scoring game than 20-9. to 9. Personally, I do want to go around the room. I want to get everybody's everybody's predictions before we head to this NFL section. We're going to be uh, well, Lucas. I should ask you: Are we going to be doing any more breakdown on this on Thursday? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I haven't decided. Okay, I kind of well, like NFL. We might just talk about it. That's that's fine with me. So I want to get everyone's predictions while we're here. We'll kick it to a quick break and then we'll hit our NFL section. So Lucas, I'll start with you. What's your prediction for this game? So I'm just predicting what I think is going to happen. Yeah, just just a just a rough outline and a final score. Okay. Uh, well, I'm not going to give a final score i'm just going to say one thing okay okay and one thing only uh because we have we're a little superstitious here at the station and ever since i've been saying this app state's been going going well so this will be a boat race in jmu's favor i'll, I'll just go by with go with lucas on that too we got to go ahead and double up double it up jmu boat race <laughs> i have i have as a better integrity here that I haven't mm. told myself to. So I'm going to say this. The line was 10.5 for JMU. Now it's 9. It's moving. It's getting Not, less. Yeah. That means people are betting JMU at 10.5. Yes. <laughs> so listen, hammer App State here. Because App State, if they're going to lose, it's going to be by one possession. But even if it's one possession, JMU could take the lead and lead the whole game. So I'll go with you. One possession game, not a blowout, but I will go with the boat race. JMU, JMU boat race. <laughs> so we got three JMU boat races. We've got to put it all together. Whether, gotta, they, whether they believe it or not, we got three JMU boat races. There's been uh, – I want to bring up the lucky penny because <laughs> it has provided a, a huge impact to this football team. Uh, before the Marshall game, we were walking up to our booth and – we found a penny sitting heads up perfectly in the middle of the stairs at my feet. And it, uh, it, it brought us luck against Marshall as we were able to have perfect cell service to do our, our, our janky broadcast. We also got a boat race. So Ryan then threw out the term the boat race penny. Was the penny before or after we realized the broadcast wasn't going to work the usual way? It was it was before, but that was not at the fault of the lucky penny because somebody at somebody at App State deleted the radio station IP. That's a whole other story. But that was a uh, not really luck. That was just somebody somebody being dumb. But oh. anyways, wow. we go to Georgia State. I brought the lucky penny with me. We got another boat race. The lucky penny will be in Harrisonburg. And I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it at that. We got three JMU boat races from the rest of the crowd. I'm going to keep all rights reserved close to the chest. Personally, I think it's a one-score game. I think this goes down to the wire. This is going to be worth your $300 ticket to sit in the nosebleeds. Actually, nothing's worth worth a $300 ticket to sit in the nosebleeds for a Sunbelt matchup. But it'll be worth it if you pay it because it's going to be a good game. We're going to take a quick break, and for our last 10 minutes or so, we're going to talk some NFL football. As Nick mentioned before, six games were won on walk-off field goals. We're going to talk about that and more when we come back for Sports Wrap right here on 90.5 WASU. Get all your sports news and Sports Vegas lines on Bear Down Bets with me, Cody Bear. I'll be looking at all the lines across the sports world every weekend and giving my picks. 
We've been above 500 and in the green every week this year. You can get the news and picks on Bear Down Bets every Friday evening at 7 p.m. Right here on 90.5 WASU-FM. App State's New River Light and Power Green Power Program brings clean, climate-friendly energy to the high country. Renewable sources of energy replace carbon-based electric use, lowering our carbon footprint and helping to protect the environment. The power is yours. Learn more about the Green Power Program today at nrlp.appstate.edu. Support for WASU programming is provided by the Eggers Law Firm on West King Street. The Eggers Law Firm provides legal services to those in need of assistance in northwestern North Carolina. Thank you for listening to your MTV College Radio Station of the Year, 90.5 WASU and WASURadio.com. Want to join the WASU team? Get your business the recognition you deserve with underwriting at 90.5 WASU-FM. We play businesses' spots during our shows, music, and sports games as you cheer on your Mountaineers. Being the official campus radio station, we reach the App State student body like nobody else. If you're interested in getting your business out to WASU listeners, just contact us at sales.wasu at gmail.com. This is Kanye Roberts, running back for the App State Mountaineers, and you're listening to 90.5 WASU with the App FM. Thank you very much, Kanye, for the back in there as Roberts. Kanye Roberts. And Kanye West. And Kanye West. Double meaning. No. A little, a little Kanye duo, well, if you will. Are we not, are we not vibing with Kanye <laughs> yeah, West? Right now. <laughs> are, you, are you okay, Lucas? I don't like this Kanye. I don't like the new Kanye. Yeah, I'm an old that, Kanye guy. But this that, is from that graduation. Wasn't, that so was a new fine. Kanye. I know, but we can't... If you bring up Kanye now, you're talking about new Kanye. Oh. I, you want to talk about this? Is this what you're going to debate? I never liked the old Kanye. Listen, listen, I'm, I'm going to... music's great. You know, you know what? I think... I'm gonna, hold up. I'm going to let you finish. The Taylor Swift thing was <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> it was not, it was <laughs> not <laughs> hilarious. Oh, yeah. He did Luke, make Lucas, her famous, just like she made Travis Only a misogynist famous. would truly believe that. <laughs> yeah, you Whoa. guys... Actually, I think, I think you guys should go at it for the next uh, 10 minutes I just of the said show. she made Travis Kelsey famous. That's not... Okay. <laughs> well... Yeah, only feminists would believe that. I don't know. Did you guys see? Uh, she she changed her lyrics for Travis Kelsey. I did. I did. That's not. Yeah, let's Cody, talk Cody, about football. Cody, I'm sure you have that. Football. On there. Football. This is football. This is what on football is. Coming home thing. to me. This is the only. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling good. I'm back. Yeah. All right. Nick just is disgusted. Right? All right. Yeah. Nick. Come Nick. On. Nick wants to talk football. So got, in, in honor in honor of Nick, killer. we're going to talk football. <laughs> as for this segment. It's the winners and the losers from NFL Week 10. So in this segment, I'm going to talk about a game, and you have to tell me if it was a better win or a worse loss for the teams that were playing. For example, the Carolina Panthers losing to the Colts was a worse loss for Carolina than it was a good win for Indianapolis. So true. So we're going to go down the board. we got four games here. The first one that I want to start with was one of the best games from Sunday. The Browns beat the Ravens on a walk-off field goal 33-31. to Who was, was it a better win for the Browns or a worse loss for the Ravens? Cody, I'm going to start with you. I think it was a worse loss for the Ravens. The Ravens had a big lead, and they allowed a big-time comeback at home. Can't happen. They couldn't move the ball late in the game when they needed to. Lamar Jackson was contained late in the game. For the Browns, yes, they made good stops on defense near the end of that game, but we already knew that Browns had a great defense. So there's nothing in this game that changed my mind on Deshaun Watson or made me think this offense is going to be really good. So it was a nice win. The Browns can beat the 49ers and the Ravens, but we'll see what it means long term. But it did give me some worries about the Ravens' ability to close out games against AFC teams. The Ravens, Lamar Jackson in particular, very good against NFC teams. Like when we see them blow out the Lions and the Seahawks, it's really hard to prepare for a guy like Lamar Jackson if you don't play him every year, because, or at least every other year, because nobody on your team can replicate that for your defense to prepare. So when he's actually playing AFC teams and talks come in playoffs, I still think the Ravens are one of the best contenders, but their inability to close out that game late at home, <laughs> not great. Yeah, um, I have to agree with Cody on on this one. Uh, it is an important win for the Browns, especially heading into potential playoff seeding down the line. Um, like getting that win to go to six and three, and coming back and 
get, getting that W is important for them. They played really good on defense, but the Ravens, I feel like, are up there as one of the most talented teams in the AFC, if not the most talented team in the AFC, especially when they're as healthy as they are right now. Um, and they had big leads in the game. They were up fourteen to nothing. They were up twenty-four to nine. They were up thirty-one to seventeen in the fourth quarter. Um, but this is a game I feel like the Ravens should have won. I just feel like the Ravens, if they want to compete to be at the top of the AFC, which they have the talent to, they have to close out a game like this. Um, and they failed to do so. So I just feel like it's a worse loss. Yeah, I mean, this is a terrible loss for the Baltimore Ravens, and it shows a sign of, like, all three of their losses this year are games they really should have won, and they just, like, especially at Steelers game two, but just playing around, not able to close games. I mean, just some things that are just bone, like, head-scratching, like Keaton Mitchell, three carries, 34 yards, and you don't give him another carry down the stretch of that game, but Gus Edwards, you know, you fed him 11 carries for 24 yards. That was ridiculous. 2.2 yards per carry, but yeah, don't give the ball to the guy averaging 11 yards per carry but even with all that even with the two picks from Lamar I still would say it's a better win for the Browns just because for me I'm not a believer in these Browns I I mean I'm starting to be I still think I probably think now they'll make the playoffs and just because this team does not quit like this whole game it just kept you know 14 it felt like it was a 14 point deficit for them for a majority of this game but they just kept going like that defense just keeps playing they make plays that offense didn't stop and the other thing why I think this was a win for the Browns like a big win is we saw life out of Deshaun Watson finally that second half Deshaun Watson during that comeback felt like the closest I've seen to the Houston Deshaun Watson that I've seen in a Browns uniform and it's encouraging to see that his numbers aren't great but the way he led that team down the stretch made plays with his feet continued plays and then made big throws got them in that final field goal and yeah, I, I was just impressed with how they closed that game. And they, to still close that game after all the, like, kicking mishaps, like, yeah, I just, it was a big win for the Browns. Shows they can beat a team like this, but it also shows, like, they're never really out of any game with that defense. You think the Browns are going to make the playoffs, you said? Yeah. And I you think, think the Steelers are going to make the playoffs? I do think so. You think the Ravens are going to make the playoffs? I do think the Ravens, the Ravens are going to make the playoffs. Do you think the Bengals make the playoffs? No. Wow. I don't yeah. think the Bengals are going to make the playoffs. That's what I was trying to get to. I wanted yeah. to... Either you get all of the AFC North. No, I mean, I think looking in. see what you don't understand, Cody's last Thursday, David cursed his team unknowingly, uh, quite rudely, actually. He started talking badly about the Steelers, saying the Steelers are not going to make the playoffs. If Ryan was here, he would know he'd be nodding his head. It's not even a question. It's a predetermined fact. The Steelers are going to make the playoffs. <laughs> and now that you said that they're not going to make the playoffs and the Bengals will make it, the Steelers are going to make it and the Bengals will be the team that they knock out. Just, I'm just letting you know now. You know, that's fine. I hope the Steelers go... What what can they go fourteen and three? They're not going to go fourteen and three. They're going to go a smooth what? They're going to finish two games above five hundred. Yeah, they're, they're like, going to be, be, be ten and seven. seven. Yeah. They'll yeah. be ten and they'll seven. They'll be ten and seven. It's just I'm Mike Tomlin's got some curse that. I'm with you. Or he's got some like voodoo magic that's going to keep the Steelers from ever being below win. average. No, watch the Bengals will like lose three games. They should a hundred percent win, and then who do they? Are they you looking? This, it's, yeah, it's I'm Ravens on Thursday Night Football. Well, when do the Steelers and Bengals play? They play the Steelers twice. Still, they play Is them that the on final the final game of the year, and then they play them on. The 23rd of December. So not so the final game. The, the final week game. before. The Browns will they be play the Browns final game. Oh, you're some, done. You're some done. Some <laughs> <laughs> you played the Steelers and the Browns last two weeks. I'm with you for the record. So. I think the Bengals will make the playoffs. Still. Mm-hmm. We're hoping. We're going to continue <laughs> to hold out hope. A really good game. The Bengals and Texans put up as Houston, another walk-off field goal, was able to beat the Bengals at home 30-27. to was it a better win for the Texans or a worse loss for the Bengals? Lucas, we'll start on your side. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to I'm a lean better win for the Texans just because you were slightly injured on your side. Like, you didn't have uh, T. Higgins, a pretty big piece of that off- offense. Um, and, you know, the defense, they thought they looked like they were getting pressure on C.J. Stroud. He just gets the ball out so quick, it doesn't matter. But, yeah, I, I think I would lean better win for the Texans just because – on a day where, obviously, Joe Burrow wasn't perfect, he had the two interceptions, he still made a lot of plays. He still threw for 350 uh, and had the two touchdowns and made plays on the stretch, but I will 100% say that C.J. Stroud was the better quarterback throughout the game. And I think that just shows C.J. Stroud, the 
class he's in right now, like he's playing like a top five quarterback. And with the terrible quarterback play we've seen, it's just you win games when you have a guy like that. And that's what the Texans are doing. You know, they they were able to make plays on the stretch and just to to throw that pick as a rookie and then immediately come back and still win that game. Like obviously. You'd like to just end the game when you could have just gotten that first down and probably the game's over at that point, but then you make it a lot more interesting. But to come back and win that game in regulation is just incredibly impressive. And I just feel like CJ Stroud has hit the point where he's a guy you can rely on to win games, not because, like, he's the reason you win games. It's CJ Stroud making plays down the stretch that can win you games. And that's where the Texans are. And I think the Texans might sneak into the playoffs with this kind of guy. But yeah, I'd lean better win for the Texans. And he did all that with. Uh no Nico Collins and Tank Dell, who was on the field for half the game. Yeah, no Brown, Ohio State legend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, I feel like out of all the games we're going to go over is the toughest one to really determine which is better because I, got, I agree with a lot of what Lucas said. I feel like the Texans played really well. I mean, C.J. Stroud, he's responded really well after that Panthers game uh, where he didn't play as well and lost to and was a part of the reason why they lost to Carolina. Um, he had an, that game-winning drive was really impressive to take him all the way down the field, melt the whole clock, kick the field goal as time expired. I mean, on top of him too. I mean, Devin Singletary on rushing the ball. I mean, he was thirty carries. <laughs> yeah, but five yards a carry with yeah, thirty no. carries. So it was the, the offense looked really good for Houston. They played really well, and I know the Bengals didn't have their best day and all that, but. At the same time, I just feel like it's a little bit more of a worse loss for the Bengals because I just it felt like the Bengals they turned the corner for a second when they won four straight games in a row, including wins against good teams like they beat San Francisco San Francisco pretty handily, and I thought for a minute they turned the corner and then they'd go ahead and get into comfortable playoff position, uh, but. It's just losing a game like this at home where the Bengals have spent more time building up their team. They're trying to contend for a Super Bowl right now. Um, and also the way that their their last offensive drive ended where Tyler Boyd drops a pass that he probably catches oh, 99 times out of 100 times. It was That was uh, one of those. That was a head scratcher. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's just – that's a painful loss for Cincinnati. So I just feel like – I feel like I, I have to pick them just because, I mean, despite all of that, if, if Boyd catches that pass, they win. I think it's a bigger win for the Texans. The Bengals, they didn't have uh, T. Higgins, and they had Jamar Chase off injury, who still played great, but this offense didn't really practice as a coherent offense going into this game. Uh, sure, it got ugly, but since he's coming off wins against the Seahawks, Niners, and Bills, I think that they'll pretty much all of their games left. They're tough. But they're winnable because we know that this team can beat those contenders. And it's, again, a tough path ahead. But I still do like the Bengals to make the playoffs. The Texans, on the other hand, uh, look really good right now. The Jags are, I think the Jags are still going to win the AFC South. But the Texans are at least making it competitive in that division. And they could get in. They could steal that last spot from a team like the Bengals. If the Texans keep winning games and they make the playoffs, C.J. Stroud should 100% be in the discussion for the MVP. As... A Panthers fan, I, of course, want to take the side of Bryce Young and the Young-Stroud 2023 draft Not that will tie them together for the rest of their careers. And I think Bryce will be fine. That's a conversation for another day because today I want to talk about C.J. Stroud. He's got it, dude. He looks fantastic. He's a true playmaker. Stroud makes things happen. Like, even if his guys aren't on the field, he makes things happen, and that's just such a great thing to see for the kid. Something that I love about him is the way that he's finishing games. Game-winning drive to beat the Bengals. Game-winning drive to beat the Buccaneers. And it wasn't talked about because the Panthers won that game, but Stroud conducted a nice drive, take the lead right before the fourth quarter in Carolina. He's got great... He's done a great job of finishing games. He's done a great job of making things happen. So... You've got your guy in Stroud, and you have young pieces with him in Tank Dell and Nico Collins, both 24. D'Amico Ryans has a nice young football team on his hands. I just want to take one piece of what you said. It's, it's, it just hit me because it's like, you know, you know when you're in a relationship and, you know, it's starting to run its course and you, you're talking to people and they're like, how are you and her doing? And you're like, we're fine. So when you start using that word, no, things no, are no, on no, the no. downturn. He's going to be, and that's on. the point. Panthers are fans on. are with Bryce Young. You know, it's not. He's going to be good. We're super excited. I think I he's going to be great. It's that 
He's going to be fine. We're it's fine. funny you say that because I do, I know we might not have time to get to it, but I do have three pages of notes defending Bryce Young <laughs> that I was going to close the show with. And not, so, you know, I just, I just want to put it out there. I'm still, I just want to make it clear what stage. Bryce. Still love my Brycey boo. He's okay. I'm not too worried. They're fine. They're doing just, fine. The Panthers, they stink. They stink. I, at, at the, They're a terrible team. At the end of the day, I would just like to point out that the media took a singular test score and turned C.J. Stroud from the first overall pick to the second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa time Young out. Time out. Bryce Young was always, ever since ever since oh, they traded for the oh, pick, please. Bryce Young was the guy they were saying was generational. Maybe he's not. Maybe he is. I don't know. But it wasn't the test score that turned everybody around. I was with Bryce Young before that test score. I think that's ridiculous. It, the, the test Saying the test score, if you're someone who did say CJ Shroud's the number one pick and then you switched it, you're just as ridiculous. <laughs> that, that's not what it was. CJ Stroud's a full Football player, not a test taker. That's going to do it for this episode of Sports Wrap. Bryce Young, Bryce Young is a football As all y'all got to get upstairs, go fill for the A game. So let's get shout outs rolling. Lucas, we'll start with you. Uh, shout out to my grandma. She's always listening. Uh, shout out to Amanda, uh, my sister. She's Pregos. And uh, yeah, shout out. Yeah, I'll just shout out to friends and family watching. And I'll actually shout out to somebody sitting in on the show, Bobby, for. Help, helping out with the Lee's McCray goal. You killed it on the volleyball calls this past Saturday, so I'll shout you out for that. Shout out, friends and family, everyone listening, and shout out to the basketball team tonight. They play Oregon State, and I'll just say, I heard a lot of people from around that area saying, game day's not going to Corvallis? They're covering App State football for game day? Let's show them who, who App State is on the court. 10 p.m. The only way you can listen to that is radio broadcast, as the TV broadcast doesn't stre- or stretch outside of Oregon. So if you're going to be tuning in wait, l- wait, late night, what you can't watch it. It's not on ESPN nope. Plus. You How? cannot watch it. How? <laughs> you got to you got to listen to Matt Present and his presentation on Learfield. That's going to do it. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Sports Wrap, sponsored by Eggers, 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 and Eggers. Attorney at Law will now send you back to your regularly scheduled programming right here on 90.5 WASU. WASURadio.com. Download the app or just say Alexa. Play W A.